Yes, sir. Martin, thank you so much for joining us on the Green Element podcast. Um, now, Martin, you are from Future Fit Foundation. Can you tell mm -hmm. us a bit about your business and what's your purpose and who you work with? Absolutely. Um, well, thank you for having me. Uh, well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, Future Fit Foundation. So we are a UK based charity co-founded by myself and Dr. Jeff Kendall back in, uh, I think, officially July 2013. So we're about seven years old now. Uh, our vision is the creation of a future fit society. By that, we mean one that protects the possibility that humans and other life will flourish on Earth forever by being environmentally restorative, socially just, and economically inclusive. Uh, which all sounds terribly lovely um, and, is, and is a great vision, but uh, how, do we, how do we really, how do we achieve that? And the objective of, of Future Fit is to produce uh, free to use open source tools that help businesses to become truly sustainable. So we're not just about um, highfalutin principles and frameworks and ideas, as good as those things are. We're about showing businesses practically what does it mean to go from where you are today to playing your role in this idea of a future fit society and to acting in a way where you are no longer breaching the scientific, uh, environmental and social boundary conditions that we need to abide by if we're going to have a flourishing future. What do those boundaries mean for you as a business? How do you get there? And then ideally, actually, how do you surpass them? How do you start to bring the idea of your purpose to real life so that you are reinforcing and rebuilding those system conditions, those planetary boundaries through your actions? So we start to turn the whole idea of business on its head. You succeed financially by being of value to planet and society rather than creating value by not necessarily aiding and often causing damage to planet and society through what you're doing. So a radical sort of reshift, but done through a very practical mechanism of showing companies how they change. And then that journey, that information flowing through to investors to help them to understand the impact that their portfolios have on the planet and how they can start to do something about it. And I think, um, going on from that having gone through the future fit um process with one of your um people anna murphy she mm. we um i learned an awful lot about the organization and the future of an organization as well i think we're all very aware of certifications that are out there mm. of which b corp is one of them yep. we've got iso 14001 and I would dare to say that Future Fit is radically different to that because it's enabled me as the person who runs um, the organization to see where we actually need to get to in order to be Future Fit. Right. And I think it's vital that organizations, and I think one of the things that Anna said was, um, there are very few, if any, organizations that actually are future fit. And Correct. that's not what you're about, is it? It's not um, that you've got to get to that place and then you've ticked it off. It's the journey to get to that place. That's almost more important. A hundred percent. And, you know, people often sort of say, well, why did you set the bar, the, the, the bar so high? 
What, why are you demanding such a high set of standards? This is you know, preposterous. To which, of course, our answer is, we didn't set the bar anywhere. <laughs> we, we have simply sought to translate what system science tells us the boundary conditions are and what it means to operate within those conditions. So we didn't set any bars, but we've drifted so far from where we need to be that actually it now looks like a very high bar mm. because polluting the planet, discharging greenhouse gases, um, often treating um, society and elements of society like trash has become far too much the norm. So we have these enormous chasms to overcome, these huge gaps of data that because we've just not really properly considered these issues before. So all of that is what leads us to this, this enormous change that we've got to make. And you're absolutely right. The, the world didn't need uh, another reporting framework. It didn't need another standard. What we identified that it needed was this roadmap. Mm. That's why you said the journey is absolutely critical. Yes, ideally, one day we absolutely want everybody to be future fit, a fully future fit business. We'd love to get people there. If we were in the certification business, we wouldn't be particularly busy right now because, as you say, pretty <laughs> much nobody is there. Um, some are closer than others, but it's, it's almost impossible to be there in today's society. The whole challenge of changing the system from within the system operating without emitting any greenhouse gases to procuring only future fit goods. I mean, it's not possible today. So we're not hopeless idealists. We are in some ways, but what we're trying to do is to show people what that journey looks like. So if we all start to make that journey, we all influence each other's journey. And the more we move in that direction, the easier it becomes for everybody else to come along because we're all finding parts of the solution. We're all helping each other along. Mm -hmm. So suddenly it becomes, you know, if half the world is future fit, then it's much easier for the next half to become future fit. So it's about that absolutely incremental steps, but importantly, incremental constant steps towards the required future, not just in, uh, incremental uh, improvement for the sake of it. And what size organizations do you have um, going through um, future fit? Is it a real mixture or? Um... Ab absolutely, Hu huge range. Um, so at one end of the spectrum, um, we're working with, so on our development council, we've got companies like Nova Nordisk, um, Danish pharmaceutical company, makes uh, close on half the world's insulin. I forget the exact numbers, but it's tens of thousands, 40,000 employees or something like that. And they're distributing goods in, in well over 100 countries. At the other end of the spectrum, uh, we've had uh, one and two um, individual uh, run organizations, uh, one and two people organizations. Um, we've worked with a 14 person cold storage, solar powered cold storage uh, provider in rural Kenya. Um, so a real, real mix from your, from your massive multilaterals, uh, multinational, sorry, right down to, to tiny um, social enterprises or uh, one-man shops, as it were. And is it easier to go through if you're smaller and you have less people within the organization or? Swing, swings and roundabouts on that one. Um, 
if you are a multinational or just a big corporation, the chances are you've got people who've been collecting the data, some of it, not, not all of it, but you'll, you'll have a large amount of it. You'll have been thinking about these things, monitoring these things. So in some ways that, that is easier. And obviously your ability to influence your supply chain or demand information from, from others is much easier. But when you're a big organization, it's really hard to turn the ship around because mm. uh, you've got all these stakeholders and committees and boards and everything else that you've got to persuade. So all of those statements, the opposite is true for the smaller organization, right? You're quick, you're nimble. Um, if you're owner owned, perhaps, um, sorry, the founder owned, you know, you, you can just say, right, I'm doing this tomorrow. Mm. You can make that change, but your resource and your ability to find that data to influence the supply chain is conversely a, bit, a lot smaller. So mm. I, I think, you know, you, you, you gain on the one side and, and you lose on the other. And um, everything is um, open, open. Is it called open source? Yes. Um, is it is still, it's called open source if it's on your web. I know that the code is open source. I was just wondering if, if, if it was still called open source for everything. Uh, oh. Basically, you know what I'm getting at. You I, are open source. Yes, yes. So the, the, absolutely, the methodology and, and all of the, um, the, 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 the core IP if you like, is downloadable from our website right now. So if you go to futurefitbusiness.org, um, go to the resources, the documents page, you can literally download a zip file with all of the PDFs. You can download an Excel spreadsheet to help you do the calculation for free. Um, so in that sense, absolutely all available. And also in the way that we've, um, we often say that we didn't so much create the benchmarkers as curate and collate because we worked with hundreds of experts, um, organizations, public consultations, the rest around the world for the first six plus years of our existence in order to pull together the, the best understanding um, where there are underlying um, issue specific things that we could point to. So simple example, when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions, we didn't need to reinvent everything that CDP has done around scope one, two, and three. The future fit goal is just about zero emissions from your operations, same from your products. In terms of how you measure that, we just integrate all of the great work that, that CDP have done to date. Mm -hmm. So finding an identity, a CDP is an easy one, um, where are there other equivalent good things that we could bring in that, that met or could reach up to the, the system science boundary conditions, and then just collating all of that together to create this cohesive set of what we call break-even goals, all the things that you you must stop doing so that you're not harming planet and society. And then conversely, on the other side, all the positive pursuits, as we call them, all the positive impacts, the stuff that you can do to rebuild and reshape. Mm -hmm. So that was absolutely about drawing together on all of that experience we could find, being very clear with how we brought that together. There's some very geeky detailed tables in the back of the methodology if you really want to drill into it that sort of shows how we drew all of that together. But the point being that if you think we've missed something, or you think that uh, something's wrong, or you just don't get kind of how we got to that point, that's all available. And we're open to people coming to us and saying, look, we think this is a key issue that you're not capturing, or we think you've got that wrong. The benchmark needs to evolve to take that into account. So that's really what we mean by the open source nature. Okay. 
And how did you get into this? Um, I think you kind of answered one of those questions by six years of research, which mm. is a huge amount of time for research because I, I guess I assumed not knowing that, that you would have just gone into it with knowledge. But so what's your background before you started doing that research? So my, uh, my personal background, I'm an investment banker um, for the first 13 years of my, my career. Um, you can almost hear the people clicking off the, the podcast as, as I say that. Um, and, <laughs> that's just arrived on my... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I was an engineer um, through through um, uh, through my degree, and then basically became a financial engineer. So I worked on structured products, uh, selling those to um, multinational corporations for about the first thirteen years um, post university, working on trading floors for the big banks, which really taught me about how the financial markets work, how how money flows, how business works, uh, or or indeed at, at times doesn't uh, work very well, and. Um, in 2009, uh, as the um, financial uh, crisis was, was really in, in full swing, I decided that I wanted to, to take what I'd learned and apply it for a, a, a better purpose. It really wasn't a mayor culpa thing as much as I joke, but I really wanted to take those skills and start to use them to, to help organizations whose purpose really was to, to help make the world a better place, for want of a better expression. So I found the social impact investment space uh, where we were looking at um, financing social enterprises and charities and using repayable forms of finance within that world. And that was quite nascent, um, particularly within the UK a decade ago. And I thought, fantastic, that's exactly what I want to do. Take that big business and finance knowledge and skill set and, and put it to work in this way. And it was through the, um, the seven years I then spent at Social Finance uh, Limited, the guys who sort of came up with the first social impact bonds and all of that space, um, for those who are familiar with it. Um, my role there was partly on the product structuring, but mainly selling those products to would-be investors. So talking to foundations, talking to high net worth individuals, people like that who could invest in those types of, of enterprise. And what I began to realize over that time frame was actually this was kind of sticking plasters on some really gaping wounds. And we are missing the fact that so much harm was being created inadvertently by big business and by those investing in them. And then if we wanted to really address the critical issues that we face today, we had to show investors of any hue what the actual impact of their portfolios are right now. So every portfolio has an impact, some good, some bad, mostly bad. What does that look like? How could that be changed? How can we make meaningful decisions to make good investments that are encouraging companies to transform portfolios that would truly reflect the values of the underlying men and women who are the asset owners, be they the pensioners or be that savings, whatever. How do we understand what that picture looks like? Because if you show people that picture, they won't like it and they will want to change it. But we're providing also then the information that helps them to be able to make those decisions. So for me, it was that, it was that realization of the, the need to create that picture that spurred me to start thinking, well, does it exist? No. Okay. Who's going to, create it um, and then you find yourself looking in the mirror and feeling slightly nervous. Thankfully, uh, I met my, my co-founder randomly at an event in, in town 
uh, and um, Jeff and I literally met in a coffee queue at a John Elkington Volans event, uh, and we we got chatting and. He was a guy who'd spent uh, 20 years in the mobile phone tech startup space, PhD in AI, had learned about climate change, become passionate about it, wanted to show companies how to change. And he'd begun thinking about how do we actually show companies what it really means to be truly sustainable? Because the current suite of DGASI and all of that just, just isn't cutting it. And so suddenly you had a guy who was trying to show a singular company how to be truly sustainable. And I thought, well, if we can do that in a consistent, comparable, aggregable manner, we solve my problem, which is, what does a portfolio look like? Mm. Uh, at which point, um, you forget every sensible thing that your mom ever told you. Uh, you quit your job, you start a charity, uh, and seven years later, here we are. <laughs> now, coming from finance um, and considering the future of um, where of where we're trying to get to and the problems that we have with our current financial um ingrained model oh. um and do you think that helps you because you have worked integrally within yeah. that model that is shown not to work long term or do you feel it could hinder you because you'll have um you'll have resonated, you'll, no, you'll, have, you'll have stuff that you thought that, yeah, everyone carries baggage, packing, oh, um, baggage is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, um, broadly I think it helps. Uh, I, I, I can speak the language uh, and I can understand, uh, or at least emphasize, em empathize with the, the pressures that, that they are under and the toolkits that they are, are having to, to use. So I think that that helps at least um, helps us to start the conversation, helps us to get through the door and to be able to say, look, I, I really do understand where you are. And the vast majority of people working in any form of, of business are not actually bad people. They're just doing their job to the best of their ability. Um, and with all the constraints that that brings, and sometimes you just need somebody to come in and say, have you thought about looking at the world in this way, through this lens? Wouldn't it be great if we could help you get to this point? Wouldn't that enable you to do a whole load of stuff that actually you would quite like to do? Now, obviously, you know, that, that's not meant with a, a universal yes by any means, but I think being able to have that degree of, of, of empathy, but understand what the challenge is with our within the sector and then be able to design our tools and framework to try and directly address that. So ultimately what we're doing with, with Future Fit, we're showing the companies how to be truly sustainable. But what we're saying to the investors is, look, you just don't have the right information at the moment across the vast majority of things to actually make really well-informed decisions no slight on on your ability to make decisions you don't have the right information we are trying to create a world where you do have the right information what you then ultimately choose to do with that information is is up to you nobody's made me go up to tell them how to to use it but what i can do is i can give them that information or at least create an environment within which that information flows and then encourage them 
to see the benefits of investing in long-term, truly sustainable organizations. If you are a long-term investor, do you want to invest in truly sustainable, well-managed, risk-reducing companies or the opposite? I don't think you have to be a genius investor to work that out. <laughs> so if we can just start to show which of those organizations really are like that or are trying to become like that, then you're able to steer your capital in that direction. So net net, I think it's, I think it's helpful. Um, I certainly find it helpful in the conversations. I would imagine it will open doors for you mm. because people will immediately be happy to speak to you because you're not, a classic hippie um definitely not <laughs> and i think but actually and on that note that's actually changed um quite massively over the last i'd say 20 years i remember mm. when i first started one of my usps believe it or not was wearing a suit yeah. um and it was because most of my competitors walked around in jeans and a shirt oh. and i wanted to be the consultant I actually wanted to be a management consultant because I knew that I would be taken more seriously. Yeah. Even though I yeah. probably wasn't as good as the person that was walking around in jeans and a shirt. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I actually spend most of my time, funnily enough, in jeans and a shirt these days. But um, no, absolutely. I think knowing, you know, knowing that there are times and occasions where actually wearing a suit and a tie is just going to lower a barrier between you and the people across mm -hmm. the table mm -hmm. um, and just takes that out of the out of the picture right and you can really focus on on what matters uh, and look you know it takes a range right I think um, there, there's not necessarily anything wrong with being an old-fashioned hippie and you know we need that range of views but ultimately if you're going to persuade um, the chief execs of major corporations to to shift you have to show them that you are ultimately trying to speak their language. You are actually trying to help them. You don't want them to fail. You want them to succeed, but to succeed in the right way. And yeah. it's about trying to persuade them of that message. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, obviously. But. So Future Fit as an organization, you're, you're based in London? Yes. Are you based well, anywhere else? We were. <laughs> um, are you based? Are you based, based elsewhere? I mean, are you around the world? Are you? Um... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so our objective is is to build um, and catalyze fully functioning future fit global community as the aggregate of localized communities. So our our ambition is that one day we will have uh, I don't know was it 196 flourishing future fit communities operating in every single country learning um, from them what does it mean to create the the localized future fit flavor of your um, of your interpretation of of the benchmark and that doesn't mean the benchmark changes right the benchmark is the same the world over but what does it mean to put it into local culture and into local language? So let me give you an example. One of our most flourishing communities is New Zealand. Um, and that sort of Aotearoa influence, uh, the Maori influence on uh, what the benchmark will look like is amazing because as you spent a little bit of time down there, learned a little bit about um, Maori culture, but it's, it really is all about 
multi multi generational caring for the planet and caring for society in in, in many ways um, they they embedded future fit culture generations upon generations ago and actually what we've done is just put a like a modern language wrap around it so it sits beautifully with a, that culture and New Zealand as a country is really trying to um, properly learn from and integrate in a very positive way that that culture and so dropping future fit into that where you have maori owned businesses um, non-maori owned businesses it acts as a really beautiful way of sort of drawing those threads together so putting the benchmark into that um, business society encouraging them to use it but add that that wonderful flavor and then what can we learn that we then take back embed into future evolutions of the benchmark to then push that back out to the broader community so you can imagine as we start to build a new zealand community a danish community our second biggest um, a japanese one a canadian one all of these places bring amazing knowledge and and insight um, that infuses the way they use the benchmark which means we can learn and share so right now our job is about building those communities around the world helping them to to self-catalyze and to grow we don't intend to have like a an office in every single country we hope one day to have like a local future fit carrying um uh, expert in residence who who is just there to catalyze the community on a daily basis we hope to one day be able to afford to do that but those communities will be self-run self-motivated learning using growing feeding back our job then becomes no longer building them but learning mm. capturing redistilling back out capturing again learning redistilling um, which is a really really i can't wait till we get to that that point where we're a few years away from doing that but really exciting to see these different communities growing up around the world helping them to get started and um and yeah just seeding more of them similar to the way the b corp has grown actually that yeah. isn't yeah. it it's, yeah absolutely um, you've described the way that b corp has grown organically mm. and we yeah absolutely so very very much about that organic movement built around one immutable um piece in the middle which for us is is the benchmark mm. and there's great you know overlap particularly at the the smaller end of the enterprise um, spectrum there's a lot of overlap between organizations who um, are b corps but who are looking to become ultimately future fit in the way they operate so when you're a, a social enterprise you know the the the, the b corp vehicle um, is a fantastic vehicle to help you along that journey to the ultimate destination which which needs to be future fitness yeah yeah no absolutely having having gone through future fit and as a b corp mm. i concur with that <laughs> excellent there we go i'll pay you um, later when it runs to when it comes to running an ethical and sustainable business what mm. would you say has been your biggest struggle so far and can you tell us a bit about how you've overcome it as as future fit yeah um it's uh, a good question. I think we haven't had um, a lot of challenges in in that sense. I guess the biggest the biggest frustration um, 
is trying to be as future fit as we can within a world that isn't very future fit. Um, so we're not particularly um, heavy purchasers of, of procurers of goods and services, but for example, the laptop that I'm speaking to you upon right now is in no way future fit. Um, but my choice of what else I could buy wasn't really very much more future fit either. So hence the objective of, of trying to encourage all of the tech companies to start going down um, this route. Uh, likewise, we do have to, to travel um, quite a bit to help build these, these communities. That comes with a, a carbon footprint, which we would ideally not like to have. But, um, you know, short of spending six months of my life sailing around the world, it's, it's, you know, we're a bit limited on these things. So I think it's... We, we've addressed the challenges that we, we can as quickly as we can. Things like um, employee um, uh, conditions, paying a living wage. We're, we're a, a living, living wage uh, accredited payer. So great. That was easy for us to just do from day one. Flexible working, good conditions and everything for our employees. We could do that from day one. We found a really great um, uh, uh, office um, in London, a, a group called Second Home. Um, I, I often describe them as we work with a conscience. Um, and again, they, they're really well aligned with, with our values as an organization. So um, we moved in there because that was more closely aligned. Um, and then we've, we've challenged ourselves around things like um, uh, um, maternity leave, maternity pay. What does that mean for paternity leave? So when one of our, um, one of our team um, became pregnant for the first time, suddenly like, oh, uh, actually we need to make sure that we have all of the right policies and processes in place and that are aligned with, with future fit. So we literally found ourselves like reopening our own guidance and saying, okay, are we doing what it, it says in, in this? Um, you know, right now, the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement is obviously, you know, front and foremost in, in, in everybody's mind. So things like that, again, challenge you to say, okay, we are absolutely about social justice. That was one of the very first comments I made. Uh, we have an anti-discrimination goal as one of our break-even goals, but are we really capturing everything that we, we should be in there? So it's great to um, you know, take, take the, um, the momentum from these things and say, have we really captured everything that we need to? Are we creating a space where business can learn from each other can talk about the challenges what are the best in case a best in class resources that are available all of that sort of thing so really it's that it's that constant evolution and challenge um, and perhaps the, the simple answer to your to your question is actually that it's it's being put out of your comfort zone mm. a lot of the time and actually challenging yourself to get out of that comfort zone because we can we can hardly walk around the world telling you know, everybody else what to do um, if we're not, again, prepared to look in the mirror and, and challenge ourselves to do the same. Okay. If you could offer one piece of advice um, to our listeners that could mm. help them with, um, I usually ask um, with their purpose, but actually in this instance, I'd quite like to ask them with trying to be future fit. So mm. if you would, what would you, what would that be? Um, I think it's about taking 
a step back. Purpose is, is a great place to start. And to imagine what would your organization look like, big or small, delivering upon its purpose only with no negative impacts at all. So, you know, park uh, cost, park senior management support, park time, all of that stuff, just you know, dream for 10 minutes as to what would it mean to be delivering your purpose as an organization without causing any negative impact and knowing that every extra dollar you make of profit as an organization is because you've delivered an extra bit of value to planet or society through your purpose. What would that transformed business look like? It might look very, very similar, but just a lot of tweaking around the edges. It might look radically different. And if you're an airline, for example, you know, we all know there's going to have to be some pretty radical changes. It might be aeroplanes uh, running on, on hydrogen, maybe. It might be some form of, um, I don't know, mi micro, um, uh, 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 you know, micro personal transport powered by batteries and fans. I don't know. But what would it look like to be delivering on that purpose without that negative? And then look at where you are today and say, okay, what does the transformational journey start to look like? And again, back to one of the early things you said, now think about it as a journey, not, oh, I can't possibly get there tomorrow, which you probably can't, so I'm not even gonna try. I've got a great picture of what in 10, 15, 20 years time, my organization could look like. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm. If we all had that picture, and then we all said, okay, we're gonna start, but that's where we're going. That's the journey we're gonna start. Now, what's the first thing I need to change in order to start along that, that journey? It's not gonna be a straight line, it's gonna be difficult and all the rest of it. But understand what the end goal is, and then start to build from there. As, as uh, Jeff is, is often wont to say, man didn't get to the moon by climbing Everest with a ladder. Mm. Right? Set the ambition, understand where you're trying to get, figure out what you've got today, and now start to plot the route. So that, that would actually be my advice. Rather than leaping in and saying, oh, recycle your paper or reduce your carbon emissions, yes, all good things to do. Actually, what is that transformational journey? And could you now go and encourage your colleagues, uh, the chief exec, if you, can, if you can get into their office, could you encourage them to think about putting the business on that journey because they will flourish more in the long term? Just imagine if you got to that point, the retention of your customers, attracting the best talent, keeping the best individuals working for you, de-risking your business against future uh, risks and reputation risks and things that, that will come along. All of that is going to give you a good long-term business. Yes, it's going to be tricky to get there and there's going to be challenges along the way. But I think that is the really, really exciting business for any chief exec and their C-suite to work on. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this, go and have that dream and then go and share that dream with your colleagues and see if you can't persuade a few people in the business to, to buy in with you. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. And then, um, Finally, just quickly, um, 
do you put any kind of time frame on that? Do you say it needs to be done by 2030 or 2050 or? No, we don't because it's very, very difficult for us to put um, a singular line in the sand of a date um, when we've built everything around very uh, um, system science specific boundaries. Um, what we want people to do is to set their own time bound targets and then let the, the market, if you like, decide and challenge what's good. That's where you get a race to, to the top. If somebody says I'm going to be carbon neutral by 2100, right? That's a time bound target. It's not really very impressive, is it? If somebody says I realistically believe I can get there by 2030 or wherever it might be, absolutely fantastic obviously with things like carbon we know from the paris agreement and other things that there are time-bound targets basically everything else from our perspective is as quickly as you realistically can so set ambitious goals but set yourself goals that equally you realistically know you can stretch and reach to and then let let's let market dynamics encourage people to be quicker more aggressive and better on reaching those targets Brilliant. Thanks, Martin. Thank you so much. You're um, what's the best way that we can connect with you to learn more? And um, bearing in mind that we'll be putting all of this on the website. Absolutely. Um, please, everybody, go take a look at the, the website. On there, you will find the thing called the Crash Course Video Series. That's a series of 20 um, video vignettes, each three to five minutes long that actually take you all the way through the future fit concept and all the things we've spoken about today in, in more detail. They're deliberately made to be watchable uh, over breakfast on your, or on your commute if, uh, if we're still allowed to do commuting. Um, so I would absolutely encourage people to go and listen to those, watch those. Um, they'll learn a lot more about everything we've discussed. And then on the website, uh, you can also download uh, all of the benchmark documents, the tools, and I'd also encourage people to join up to our Changemaker community where we have yet more resources, webinars, um, uh, chat forums where we go in and discuss all of these, these issues. So all of that can be found through the, through the website futurefitbusiness.org or feel free to, to reach out directly to me on email. Uh, very easy. It's martin at futurefitbusiness.org. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Martin. Thank you for today. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Been a pleasure. Today we've got Martin from Future Fit Organization. Um, they are a fascinating organization that helps businesses and organizations alike to understand whether they are future fit. And that future fit statement is incredibly important to understand because pretty much every organization in the world is not future fit that's partly down to the society we live in and it's partly down to the um, restraints that we have within our economic system and it's partly down to not being good enough they have built a framework and a journey that helps organizations become future fit I can't wait to introduce you to Martin. Thank you very much for listening.